Dominique Brightman. Dom is a is a Baltimore celebrity. He's almost 30 years old. At 21, he had some tragedy happen. He worked at a, a library before that. Some tragedy happened at 21. He turned things around. He's written three books. He's a, a very, very successful podcaster. He does three episodes a week, over 400 episodes. Authors. Uh, he does self help like I've never seen. Uh, really enthusiastic, uh, um, great, great inspiration. I talked to him and time went by so quickly. Uh, he's just a really, really great young man. I hope and I wish there's more. There's more just like him. Really, really enjoy my conversation with Don. Uh, I, ho I hope you like it too. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change, discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society. Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. Man. It's so nice to meet you, Dominic. You go by Dom? Yes, sir. Dom is easy. <laughs> I go by Joe. I feel like I'm talking to a. Uh, that's right. I feel like I like I'm talking to a, a Baltimore celebrity. <laughs> uh, maybe not Baltimore celebrity. I wouldn't even call myself celebrity, but I'll take it. <laughs> My goodness! I mean, you're such a young man, and you're an author. Your your podcast is, you know, top ten three years for self help. I, You've written three books. You're you haven't broken thirty years old, right? <laughs> At least for another another two weeks. <laughs> ah, I see. Yeah. I see. You wrote "Going North" when you were twenty three, I believe. Yeah. My. God, seven years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that term "going God. north," I'm not familiar. I've kind of heard you talk about it in some of your videos, but perhaps you can expand upon it. Going north. Oh, yeah, sure thing. So the going north philosophy actually started off as a joke, funny enough, because I like to be literal with people. And one day a colleague was like, hey, Dom, how's it going? And just being a little bit of a smart, like, I'm like, oh, I'm going north. And another colleague overheard the greeting and she just busted out laughing. And little did I know that that joke that eventually <laughs> they used to be my go to phrase when they asked me how it was going actually became the title for my first ever book, then my podcast, because, hey, Going north, it's all about advancing others to advance yourself, helping others to embrace their dreams while you're on the way 
to your goals and your dreams and manifesting your desires and because it's better to be going north than saying that you've gone north because this is a growth journey growth never ends and growth is really happiness when you're always getting better and you're seeing your own progress and action oh, my goodness yeah going north going up i'm in new haven so i'm actually literally north of you but i don't feel that uh uh i i don't know that term but i'm gonna definitely start using it uh very very <laughs> encouraging yeah and you also uh uh so something you 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 got a job at a library and now, by the way, what's happened with the libraries? I mean, that was a while ago. That was a, maybe 10 years ago, right? I mean, not too many students anymore use the libraries. Uh, well, I wouldn't say that. Okay, good. <laughs> in the BC before COVID era, yeah, right. students in the Woodlawn area would use the library. It was kind of the quote unquote babysitting center for the parents. Uh, it's like, hey, because, <laughs> um, it's basically everything and everybody. There was a little place called Storyville for kids birth to five, stream space, the whole science, technology, reading, engineering, art, and math. And then there is a drop-off point for about a good five other schools where we range from anywhere to between the 100 to 300 kids after school, whether it's the three, <laughs> the point one, the 3% who actually use it to library to study and do their homework and then the other 97 percent is just use the time to chill around hang out with their friends and play video games neck we even got some playstation video game systems three of them actually playstation 4 is for the kids snack programs for the kids meal wow. programs for the kids wow. and after school like heck even after school programs a couple art activities too to keep them engaged while <laughs> they get off the school for those who don't have their ride arrived to the library home yet or for those who are a little far away they don't have the ride home yet or for those who just want to hang out with their buddies so yeah it, believe it or not it's one of those rare occasions one of those diamonds in the rough <laughs> hmm, very interesting and through that you just develop this love of reading Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It actually took a few years, actually. It was back in the year of 2012 where the folks in the U.S. of A. lost Twinkies for a month instead of the world ending. <laughs> that wonderful end time prophecies that we like to have every year. It's like, oh, the world's going to die. It's going to explode. And, yeah, of course, it happened again where it's like, oh, they're wrong again. And instead of losing Twinkies, I basically found personal development and growth because the thing about being in the U.S. of A. with grade school, they give you books to read that you don't like to read and eventually make you hate reading. And I kind of hated reading a bit because of all the stuff I was given to read. But after getting into college and that wonderful year of transformation and then finding my own New Year's mantra of reinvention, a.k.a. rebirth, basically setting a goal for myself to read at least 50 plus books every year to really grow myself, grow my mind and take massive action in my life it's been one heck of a change so that's really what led to just the reading was just finding that love of reading again through actually reading books that was applicable to what i wanted to do in life and that was just to get better and not butter hmm. i heard you say that get better and not butter please explain Oh, yeah. It's one of my go-to lines because folks like to say get better and not bitter. But I'm like, hey, butter melts when it's hot. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure we don't want to be putting cakes. <laughs> I don't want to be putting the cake. <laughs> butter melts when it gets hot. 
<laughs> now I, I heard you say it a couple of times and, and, and <laughs> I, didn't, I said, let me ask him about that. Another <laughs> phrase you have advance others to advance yourself. Oh yeah, that's right. Advancement. Yeah. It's all about going North, all about advancing and heck even comes from well, probably one of my favorite books of all time. The science of getting rich by Wallace D Waddles. Wonderful book. I believe chapter seven or nine it talks about the advancing man philosophy it don't worry applies to women too hmm. it applies to women too and the thing is it's really about making sure that the advancing personality is someone who's in business but they don't seek to really build their business by being selfish they go into rooms seeking to help out other people hmm. and when i read that chapter and hours of listening to the legendary great late great zig ziglar with this wonderful phrase of or wonderful quote is that if you can have everything in life you want, if you will just help enough people get what they want. And I'm like, wait a second. Like that's basically what that Zig Ziglar quote is all about. And then I'm combined the two and realize, wait a second, advance others to advance yourself. And that's really how it really came to be. Cause when you study elite performers, the millionaires, the billionaires, no one's a self-made millionaire or self-made billionaire. That's, really kind of an oxymoron mm. because if you have a product to sell someone has to buy your product if you learned how to sell most likely you learned it from someone else and if you didn't have a teacher and you're able to somehow some way miraculously learn it by yourself by making a bunch of mistakes someone else still taught you because you had to learn how to deal with rejection so the phrase self-made is basically a lie no one's self-made anything like because someone had to buy a product someone had to help you continue to build your business because the thing about business after a while is that you're going to need a great team to help you out and if you really want to get to your next level heck even the legendary tony robbins listening to one of his audiobooks a few weeks ago one of the lessons that still stuck with me is how he grew his business by getting a team because he does best when he's on stage and he can do the other stuff he learned it but that wouldn't help him to be at his best you have to be able to have the right people around you so where you can be your best, do your best, and put out your best work. Because when you have a team around you that can cover your weak spots and your blind spots, you can keep your eyes focused forward, advancing north to where you need to go. So that's really what it's really all about, just really all about. So, yeah, advance others to advance yourself. Uh, wow. I like the way you pulled that all together like that, just like uh... – just like any artist would receive inspiration from different sources and they pull it and they make it their own. You've done the same thing down. Very impressive. Now you had a couple of very big events happen when you were 21. Oh yeah, that's right. I drank a whole keg of beer and I woke up the next day as a black guy. It was great. It was, wow. I, was, I must have misread that. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see that. Uh, I've got a million questions. What kind of beer? Uh... <laughs> Didn't see that we're coming, did you? <laughs> no, that's not what happened. I'm not a drinker. Really? <laughs> it's not even really good for you in the long term, especially as you age where the hangovers show up and Certainly. it's like never really got an alcohol. What actually <laughs> happened was when I was 21, on my way to IT security class, I actually got into a car accident. In an attempt to make a left turn with my car, about to get on the freeway, and darn brake jammed on my car, and then out of nowhere, slid into the curb, and then wheel came flying off the car, and had no 
injuries, thank God, but there mm. was still some psychological damage of the fact of like, wow, really? <laughs> I freaking crashed my car here? <laughs> like, dang, what kind of birthday gift is this? And looking back, it's actually probably one of the greatest birthday gifts of my life because it shows that when it comes to things, when it comes to moments in this life, you could lose at any moment. You can be delayed at any moment. And if you can live through any thing like that, like a car accident, like heck, even a lot of cancer survivors out there through any sickness, any moments like that, you still have someone to teach, inspire, mentor, and help them to grow as a result. And one of the key weapons in a speaker's arsenal is stories, especially stories from their own life that can inspire others to live their life at a higher level. And just that one moment right there, just the car accident itself really became one of my main stories to inspire others. And <laughs> funny enough, I was on another podcast. It was about 2019 or 2020, one of those years. And the host actually mentioned like, hey, uh, looks like you're in good company because Brendan Burchard, too, actually got into a big old car accident. He's doing well, too. So this seems to be a trend. And I'm like, wow, you got a good point. That doesn't mean go out and crash your car today so you have a story to tell others when you're on virtual stages or a stage. But I'm just saying your mistakes can be a message for the future. Your moments where you're feeling down can be moments to help others gain momentum for what they need to get out of life and it didn't even stop there because a couple weeks later i had a part-time job at the library <laughs> gotta love the library references yes. and my boss called me in for a meeting and she was like hey you're screwing up in all these different areas because again with that mental damage of being shell-shocked and rocked led to the personal stuff going into my professional life because i was a full-time college student at the time and part-time employee and it was the start of my time caregiving for my dying father, who also had Alzheimer's that we discovered a couple months before the accident. And just all of that compound interest of just pain and just setbacks and all these moments were compounding on me. And that just led me to push me to really find a way to shine like a diamond because it even goes back to being better and not butter. Like butter melts when it's heat, hmm. when there's heat around coal can become a diamond when it's under pressure when that heat comes so there's another reason why i jokingly say better not butter not just because i got a laugh one day just for me being random but also the fact that it can go deeper into that fact that we all are going to need pressure we're all going to face pressure and either you're going to get crushed by the pressure or you're going to let that pressure not crush you and then you shine like a diamond and you become a champion out of those moments very well put so the car accident, your father uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's, which is a burden on you, on your whole family. Um, you know, it, it, it really takes a lot of time. My father has it as well, and it's, it's a terrible thing. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, that's at 21. At 23, you wrote the book. So, you know, without those transformations, without those occurrences, I mean, those were the turning points for you to decide to write a book at 23 years old. I have to say they were the seeds to help make that happen because those three moments in those <laughs> three months of that year, 2012, actually led to the last chapter of the book where I even got deeper into that story of how it all happened because mm -hmm. those moments, again, like finding my moment to become a diamond became from those moments of pressure and just finding books to read and growing and getting better because with the year Rebirth 2013... I set out to become more intentional with my life. 
And one of those things that became a result of that is Toastmasters. And for those who don't know, it's a great organization for folks to practice the skill of public speaking and communication as well. Their tagline is where leaders are made. Well, <laughs> if you get a little too deep in it, <laughs> it's also, there's another part of the tagline that they don't tell you. It's where leaders are made and not paid. <laughs> Because you don't get paid in bucks, you get paid in experience. You get your own sandbox of leadership where you get to practice leadership because every person looking to grow as a leader, every person looking to be in management, they should give themselves an opportunity to be in a leadership position at a volunteer organization because leading a group of volunteers is very challenging. If you can lead a group of volunteers, then you can do just about almost anything with the team because the lessons you learn will transfer over. And learning that helped me to realize, you know what, I can do the whole management thing with the day job and everything. But I realized, you know what, that's not for me. <laughs> that's not for me. And that's another reason why you should do it, because it'll show you whether or not you're going to really want to get to a higher level. Because the thing is, the more people you serve, that's really a higher level of leadership. But a higher level of leadership is a higher level of servanthood, because leaders are truly servants especially if they're helping to create other leaders and not followers because mm. leaders who duplicate themselves and create followers they're basically going to be equipping them as well with the tools that they need and through toastmasters being equipped with the knowledge of becoming a better public speaker taking myself from being a good speaker to a greater speaker came from joining toastmasters and also came from this wonderful gentleman by the name of Daniel Alley because I was attending one meeting say it was around 2014 and he gave this wonderful speech called how to act like a leader and he basically put it in an acronym the ACT the A was for audacious the C was for contagious and the T was for tenacious so being audacious as a leader you have to be audacious enough to put yourself out there contagious leaders are basically those who are influencers. It's all about influence, nothing more, nothing less. And then the T is for tenacious. You have to still keep going no matter what the situation is. And that's one speech led me to buy his book and then reading his book and realizing, wait, he's writing about the same stuff I'm reading about. And I feel like, you know what, this might be good. I think I'll, I think I'll keep in contact with them, follow him on social media and all that good stuff. And little did I know that that moment of seeing a fellow millennial speak who was a couple years older than me inspired me to write a book of my own. Eventually later that became Going North, Tips and Techniques to Advance Yourself. Wow. And, you know, you mentioned ACT. You have a lot of, uh, you have rave, you have, uh, there's so, there's, you have top five ways of, of, uh, of becoming a great leader. Uh, is this a good way to memorize and good way, you know, these days with the, with the culture that we're in, people want to see top lists and want to see quick lists to, to, to get to a certain place. It seems like you employ that really, really well. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's it, It's, it's easy for both parties because bullet points are great. They get to the point mm. quick, fast in a hurry. Acronyms are also great as well because folks love acronyms because it's easy to remember and we could all use mnemonic devices to make things a lot easier and plus if they can relate to other things like the rave method like positive mental attitude you think of maybe a rave party with some glow sticks and some shiny lights it's like yeah a wonderful party and all that good stuff so yeah and heck even news 
crews and like media folks they love quick takeaways for folks that they can take away and use as little points for the screen because that's something that folks love if it's something that's easy to remember especially nowadays in this era of information and high attention management then yeah that's that's a good reason to do it and that's why i employ in my life on the daily so yeah and your podcast going north i mean you do two shows a week you have close to 400 episodes if i'm not mistaken i mean that's an incredible on taking Oh, yeah, it's actually three a week now. It's actually back in June 2021. I expanded it to three days a week. So every Monday, Thursday and Saturday, a new episode goes live. And funny enough, that explosive growth happened because I kept putting myself out there and serving fellow authors by giving them a platform to get their voices out there because it was supposed to be once a week on Wednesdays. But my original launch date switched (laughs) because of some technical issues and then about halfway through the first year i had about a huge backlog of so many dang authors i didn't want to wait in six months for the episode to go live so i basically added mondays to what i do and i noticed that a lot of top podcasters that they usually post on mondays wednesdays and fridays and usually three days a week so i'm like you know what i'll just go ahead and do mondays if they don't catch it on monday Tuesdays are always great, and Saturdays, it'll still be out there regardless. So just with all that growth and all that wonderful possibilities of just really just putting myself out there and helping other folks and doing some learning in the process and continually getting better as I go along too, it just helped me to expand the show to where it is now. And yeah, so 400 episodes, the official count will be 400 by September, but the Actual count right now is 472 episodes. Wow. Incredible. And I, I, I don't want to keep harping on this, but you're, you know, you're still in your 20s. And then let's go to your second book that you wrote. Uh, it, it's kind of long that, that you know, uh, going north where you say, stay the course. Now, what inspired this, <laughs> Dom? Yeah, funny so enough, incredible. the original title... <laughs> Thanks a bunch, Congratulations. Joey, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm really, I'm really impressed. I'm really awed. This is so cool. Yeah, man. Like, Hey, it's really, really awesome though. But yeah, man, it's, it, it's kind of interesting looking back that it's been almost eh, two and a half years, at least since the stay of the course came out. Cause the original title was going to be going North 2.0. <laughs> wow. Funny enough. <laughs> wow. The Elite Performer's Seven Secret Keys to Sustainable Success. Yeah. Yeah. I had to take my own advice. That's why the title was so darn long. Because, funny enough, quick story. Uh, I actually put secrets in the title because a buddy of mine on LinkedIn, he was asking, like, hey, I'm going to be doing a leadership book soon. And I was thinking of a title for the book. Like, how do you like this? I forgot what the title was. But I'm like, hey, if you put the word secret in the title, You'll probably get more sales because the word secret really intrigues mm. people. It's like, all right. So even if it's not a secret, people still want to find out what the heck it is. Kind of like the classic movie, The Secret, that came out in like 2005 or 2006, which is still a huge bestseller, which is really all about the law of attraction, which really isn't secret. It isn't new at all. But just that title and the great marketing behind it made it a force and it's got a powerful message. And after telling him that, I'm like, wait a second. Let me follow my own darn advice and put the worst secret in the darn title and seeing how many 
hosts have trouble <laughs> saying that all at great because it's an extra long title. <laughs> it's a secret, so I'm going to want to know. So I lean in a little bit more. It's a great tip. It's a, I never thought of it. Oh, yeah. Got to thank Joe Vitale for that one, I believe. I think it was one of his books stuck. I think it was like magnetic marketing or something. He, yeah, I think, yeah, dude, dude's amazing. Dude's amazing. I'm hoping to get him on my podcast very soon. Dude, dude is freaking amazing. So your book talks about the seven keys to sustainable success. So not just you have it, now you want to sustain it. Yeah, you're so right about that. And the reason for that is because this book came from a place of grief because after Going North was published, my father passed away five months later after his, I'd say, six to seven year long battle with that darn Alzheimer's that eventually became dementia. And I was going through some grief, family was going through some grief. But the thing was, I wasn't really truly allowing myself time to grieve because when he first passed away, there was a big snowstorm in Maryland and that basically gave me and the rest of the family some time to take in the moment and just uh, be quiet before the following day when the roads got cleared up a bit and the home became a call center and we had to do all the funeral preparation, everything like that. And had his funeral a couple weeks later since we was a veteran and there were so many funerals happening for veterans that we had to wait for time to actually have a time to bury him in, one of the veteran cemeteries. So after all of that stuff, it came down to, let's say, July. Had another meeting with the boss in <laughs> summer of 2012. I wasn't really as self-aware as I thought I was at the time. And one of the things that authors tend to do is, especially, or even preachers like to do, is that they either, they sometimes preach messages that they need to hear. Sometimes they write books for problems that they need to fix in their own life because in that way, they're actually putting themselves out there and their problem may be fixed. Heck, even like Grant Cardone's The 10X Rule is something that he did in his own life. And he figured out, okay, what's the way to 10X my business? Let me do all this. And this book itself was really all about awareness because, once again, I had some issues where there was still some grief showing up where I was screwing up certain things on the day, day job, which is a full-time job now at that time. And after that, my boss called me and, and called me out on I'm like, oh, crap. I'm like, maybe I am screwing up here because <laughs> I wasn't even conscious. And there must have been still some darn grief I still had to deal with. And with all of that, I realized, OK, I guess I need to become more self-aware and really take in and see what's going on and do some self some self-searching, some self-finding, some self-discovery. And my boss even coached me after that, too, for a few months and helped me to get me out of my stupor for the day job. And it was amazing after that because then the podcast started a couple months later and just all these wonderful things just kept happening and the book even became a bestseller when the pre-order for the book launched too and i was just amazed i'm like wow this is freaking amazing like this like this this work is paying off success is certain and just the main theme of the book is awareness especially self-awareness because self-awareness is the major key and then there's a about seven other keys and like there's even a secret eighth key in there that's even in a bonus chapter for the end of the book for those hmm. make it to the end of the book and just from those from interviewing a bunch of high performers studying high performers and those who are elite in their fields and those who get things done and that's the thing like elite performers are those that 
give immense value that contribute great deal of success to the companies that they work for even if it's their own company as an entrepreneur so if you yourself are giving great service satisfactory above satisfactory high level world-class performance service to those around you in your business whether you're employed or not you yourself are a high performer hmm. and just really just taking all of that in and realizing wow so this is what's going on and that just helped me to really get a little more self-aware within myself and then putting my findings out to the world even when there's a million other voices out there because for anyone listening right now you may be a little apprehensive with the whole imposter syndrome which is also big nowadays is the fact that sometimes even though you the same message may be out there you yourself may have to tell it or say it in a different way that someone else will be able to receive it the way they need to receive it because even though the same messages have been traveling throughout generations. Someone may need to hear your spin on that particular message so it'll finally click for them. Very interesting. And how do you, excuse me, how do you write down? Do you pencil and paper? Do you word and processor? How do you write? Uh, actually, both. So the first one was a lot more pen and paper involved. <laughs> so that way I could edit twice and look at my writings and be like, the heck was I smoking? And I don't even do drugs. Like, the heck was I smoking when I wrote this? And I'm like, all right, I'm glad I edited it. And I'm glad I had editors too, because that's really where the magic happens for books is the editing that kind of the whole self-made is a lie thing. You need a team around you. And just also inking it when I think it. Another tip from one of my mentors is think it when you think it because you have to be open to ideas around you because sometimes there there's a lot of writers who say hey you have to write every single day right. and you have to do the work enough to where the muse will meet you and sometimes in my case the muse met me at random times i have random thoughts doing other things mm -hmm. like in the middle of summer i was working out i had a crossfit session on top of a kickboxing session for two hours and after I was done, it looked like I just came out of being baptized out of a pool because I was sweating that much. And little did I know, as soon as I got in my car, <laughs> I just had an idea that eventually became the last chapter for Stay the Course. All because getting the blood flow, getting the blood working and staying in motion helped me to actually have ideas come to me. So that's another thing for anyone doing anything like content creation related is to always be open for ideas to come to you and make sure you ink it. When you think of so that way it sticks with you. Heck, even in the middle of the night, if you have a crazy dream or an idea, you better write it down because it sure as heck ain't going to come back to you when you wake up later. Ink it when you think it. Fascinating. Is writing art or science? I'd say both. Definitely both. There's an art to writing because there are those who get these master's degrees in English and they know the fine art of writing and then... There's a science of writing with the technical writing, especially with copywriting as well. Where you have, there's a certain way where you have to make sure, like with copywriting, you have to write for the person. If it's like a research paper, it has to be for a professor or heck, even like for dissertations, being able to defend your writings and your findings. So I'd say it's both an art and a science. Very interesting. Do you think it's more one than the other? Or you think it's equal? Now, you're writing nonfiction. So uh, does that play into it? I'd say yes, it does play into it because if I cite certain things like a certain study that I noted and stay the course, a sleep study they did back in around 2008, 
where the U.S. of A. alone lost about a good $50 billion in productivity because people were having sleeping issues with insomnia and everything. And, of course, that was a crazy year to boot with the financial collapse and everything. And just with all that money lost, it's like, yeah, I got to cite certain sources. I'd say that's the science piece of it. But also the art aspect as well, because <laughs> I got some preachers in my family and a lot of my writing is basically from a lot of my talks that I've given as well. So hmm. for me, it I'd say it's definitely on the art side and the science come in just to back up my claims and my findings, because in this era where you have to fact checked a lot of things and photoshop is like level 99 for the mm. video gamers out there who might be listening it's i love when you have to really be on your p's and q's nowadays and folks are ready to try to debunk you and all this other stuff and you really just have to study to show yourself approved of what you're teaching speaking and preaching to other people so for me personally i'd say it's an art i'd say a little bit more on the art side since it's mostly me expressing myself but yeah this it's still Definitely both. It depends on the writer, but for me personally, definitely on the art side. Very interesting. Uh, I talk to people a lot about discipline. I've had challenges in my life, and when I tried to turn them around, you know, I lost a lot of weight, for example. And you know, people ask me how you did it, and they, you know, they want these one-word little secrets, you know, like you said. <laughs> and uh, and you know, the the simple answer is always just discipline. You know, I. I was pre-diabetic. My daughter was born and, uh, you know, I'm not going to be around for her. So that, you know, kind of mm. come to Jesus moment. So uh, I had, I needed discipline. And so I worked out every day. I cut everything I, I, I did in half and, you know, I lost a lot of weight, did some triathlons. I did CrossFit, like you mentioned. So, I mean, there's gotta, there, there was a point in your life with those tragedies that you had when you were 21. Uh, other things have happened. You wrote, we didn't even talk about your third book, by the way, but uh, you're doing this your podcast. But all of that has to have a, a large degree of discipline, Dom. Amen. I agree with you on 20%, man, because discipline equals freedom. <laughs> As a classic book says, discipline equals freedom because it's so darn true. Because when you're disciplined, you get things done and you really keep your nose to the grindstone, especially when you're focused on getting something done. Because if you're going to be an uncommon finisher, you have to have discipline. If you're going to really be known as somebody with a great track record, discipline is definitely going to be required. And you don't even have to be the most disciplined person in the room. If you just have just enough discipline, I'd say at least bigger than a mustard seed, but not the size of maybe five benevolent elephants or maybe 11 benevolent elephants. <laughs> Just have at least enough to get to your goal and then enough to at least try to sustain it. And if you fall off track like all of us humans do, yeah. you'll be able to tap into that past victory and really just use your mind for two things, as Mike Murdoch says, for pre-play and replay, because your mind is for great two functions. The pre-play is basically seeing yourself in the future as that thin man with the guns like Joey right in front of me, the wonderful Joe. He's like, man, pre-diabetic, I got this daughter right here. I want to see her go to college and get married and make me a grandfather. I'm going to be able to get there if I'm pre-diabetic. I need to lose this darn weight off me. He's like, yeah, I'm thinner now. I'm doing CrossFit. I could probably lift like five cars now, all because I saw myself and my daughter in the future. And now in the current age, you can replay those past moments where you did all those workouts where you still probably work out because my man's looking great right now and he can tap back into those moments of success and realize hey i did this i did that 
The weight's going to stay off of me. I remember what it felt like to have all that weight. And I know what it's like to be on both ends of the spectrum. Like really, really overweight, really um, almost close to obese and pre-diabetic to now where I'm healthy. And I feel like I can go five rounds in a ring with maybe an amateur, not like a MMA fighter, not like an Mike Tyson, because, you know, that, that man can still punch. So, <laughs> yeah, man. Can. He certainly can. <laughs> I would like to be able to lift five benevolent elephants. That'd be something. <laughs> I love that they're benevolent, by the way. They're not angry. They're, ha- they're, benevolent. they're happy. <laughs> I love it. By the way, my daughter is going to Maryland uh, in a couple of weeks, right in your backyard. She's going to be a terp. Woo! That's what I'm talking about, baby. Fear the turtle. <laughs> That's exactly right. We go to your third book now, uh, Dom. I, I keep on saying young man. I'm, I don't know, 25, 30 years older than you. I'm 53, and uh, I, I don't have any – maybe I got a book in me, but I haven't done it. So you were kind of a co-author, correct, in Crappy to Happy? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Indeed. And don't and don't worry. You're still young, too. You're not old until you're 85 collecting Social Security. That's okay. my motto. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> At least that's the way I see it. And I thank my parents for that philosophy. Like, for, hate to get off of the tangent, but that's like one of my pet peeves where folks are in their 20s and 30s saying they're old. And I'm like, man, mm-hmm. get your blasphemous self out of my sight with that. <laughs> old is a state of mind, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But um, yeah, Crap It Happy, third book, co-author book. It it was actually one of my goals in life after going north to be an author of multiple books. And Crap It Happy, the opportunity showed up. And two wonderful ladies, Reverend Ariel Patricia and Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis, those two ladies are a part of a group called Sacred Stories Publishing. And they've co-authored a multi-author book before and they published a few books of their own actually quite a few and they helped others publish their books as well and i'm like all right if i'm going to be in a co-author project which Mm. is kind of like the in thing to do now i want to make sure i do it with someone who's reputable someone who's actually had experience doing it before and they know what they're doing because i had an opportunity for one book and that didn't fall through because even though i like the title of the project the way that the contract looked, there were some misspellings on certain things. Mm. And it's like, I know humans can make mistakes, but like something's a little off about this. And then the person reached out to me again with another contract and it even had less offers than before. And I'm like, I can understand the whole sales thing. Like the first person who donates to the cause, that's good and all they get like first grab at everything. But later down the road, you may get less. And then that project eventually led to just one chapter from one person who believed in the project that got added to another book. So I didn't want to make that mistake. So I got into this project with them and little did I know that the legendary James Redfield, who wrote the book, the Celestine prophecy and even produced a movie for it, directed the movie for that book as well, actually wrote the forward to the book and me with those three wonderful authors. And then about 21 more, contributed our stories into the book to make it a nice little book to inspire and to make folks laugh because the the title we gets a chuckle mo- with most folks when i mention it to others in the year that shall not be named <laughs> the grim reaper year <laughs> that attacked everybody no matter how rich or poor you are <laughs> or were is that that 
book was all about the perfect timing too because folks need inspiration and in this life of brevity you need levity so the book is really about giving folks that levity inspiring them to really go for more and to really just turn their moments that may where they may feel crappy to make it feel a little bit more happy very very interesting is the book industry fair to authors ah <sighs> It depends on what part of the industry. <laughs> really? From it depends on what part of the industry. I'd, I'd say over. I'd say overall, if you're talking like big four, I'd say no. <laughs> I'm sorry. What does that mean? From big four. Big four, like the Penguin, the oh, like the big four companies, the the publishing the publishing companies, the Penguin Random House, the. The Wiley Publishing, like nothing against them personally. I got nothing against them personally, but just from sometimes where I can understand it too, where some folks they may reject certain manuscripts. And also the fact that nowadays the process is so much longer and slower compared to nowadays, because if you're because because there's advantages and disadvantages to both, because if you're able to get a book with a publisher, you get an agent and they like what they see and they see that you can really market it especially nowadays on social media if they see you have a following already then they can get you access into more bookstores than you probably would get on your own a lot quicker as opposed to self-published where if you're cranking out books like crazy like i even had a ghost writer on my podcast who's written over 80 books wow. last year altogether. like all together she's including her own she's published over 80 freaking books and she and her record was at least i think her record was like twenty thousand words in one day and her average is like ten thousand words a day and i'm like dude that's peak performance ghostwriting so for folks like that who got so much content to put out the speed factor is is not what makes it fair i can understand like long-term thinking classic hey market something for a year which they kind of really don't as opposed to if you self-publish a book you have more control you can get more royalties as well and you have that speed factor and you can publish multiple books as opposed to the publisher. They just want to focus on one book at a time. And if that one book does well, they'll probably talk to you again for another one. So I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's fair in terms of everybody, especially when it comes to the pay, because there's a big scuttlebutt issue about certain black authors who were given smaller mm. contracts compared to, their white counterparts don't want to make this a race thing but it actually was all over darn twitter and there was a hashtag publishing paid me what because certain <laughs> black all especially in the sci-fi genre and different genres get paid a lot less like maybe fifty thousand dollars or maybe if they're lucky under thousand dollars compared to some folks who maybe even got a million dollar signing bonus just wow. to compare and if you read both of their books the, the quality of the actual storytelling is a stark difference. So from that perspective, I say it's not fair, but Hey, life's not fair too. <laughs> That's the other thing too, because the thing is you could work, you could be the hardest working person in the room and you can be, you can have the best mousetrap metaphorically speaking as a business owner. But if you don't know how to market yourself and advertise and get yourself out there, if you're that shy, quiet worker who can outwork everybody, then you're not going to get known. So that's the other thing too we have to remember too, because if 
life was fair, I guess everybody would have the same amount of money. We wouldn't have to worry about money and we wouldn't have to worry about anything at all. We'd all be healthy individuals and we wouldn't have to worry about getting fat or whatever. And we could like everybody would basically have everything in life they want. And we might even have, I don't know, maybe more peace in the world. Maybe just maybe just a random, a little touch of woo woo right there. But yeah, (laughs) the the long story, (laughs) long answer to your question. I definitely say no. (laughs) Interesting. And how has technology played a role? Because I mean, Roughly speaking, your books, how many are read digitally and how many are read in print? Do you know? Yeah, I've actually sold more in print than digital at this point, especially in BC Air before COVID, because even though digital is nice and fast, I'd have to say like bulk orders have paid off when it comes to schools and heck, even churches as well. When I've given talks and folks wanted to buy my book after I was done speaking, and that's really the key for any author like heck even i guess on my show michelle shenoweth who writes modern day bible stories like her a lot of her books sell after she goes to speaking events and she speaks and she shares her wisdom so if you share your wisdom folks are going to want to take a piece of you metaphorically speaking of you after they're done hearing you speak if they enjoyed what you heard another reason why back in the room sales are always great and it's going to be a fabulous day when we get to return to that, hopefully, because <laughs> yes. it seems like different parts of the world, <laughs> the pandemic's like, nah, fam, y'all humans want to be human, but dang it, I'm a virus. I'm going to stay out here. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. It seems like it's got that exact attitude. And so when you go independent, you have to kind of hit the bricks and do these kinds of you know events and bring printed copies because if i go to an event and see somebody hey your book is there i'll go pick it up and even get it signed you know uh, you know it just adds a little bit more but i i i'm very much into technology i listen uh, do you do audible versions audio versions of your books yeah i mean i listen to books a lot more than i read unfortunately if i do read it i do generally read it digitally i wonder if that's the well, trend. I agree it it is you're right like heck even one of my past authors, like he actually made at least around a good $10,000 off of his audiobooks. Wow. For his one book that was very trendy at the moment. He wrote a wonderful superhero book. And the design of the book looks similar to the Black Panther. And that came around that time when Marvel was big and he partnered up with an expert voice actor to narrate his books. Wow. So he was able to negotiate a way to make it affordable for him and make it worthwhile for the voice actor to where his audiobooks outsold his regular books so i agree with you audiobooks are in heck even i checked my audible account i got over 400 audiobooks on my darn audible account and i'm like wow i didn't even know i bought that many because we're in the era where audiobooks and podcasts are faster than books like now don't get me wrong i still love a nice hardback book mm-hmm. like still like reading books but it's kind of like reading at a snail turtle pace versus a rabbit or heck even a ferrari because you can even up the speed yes, you and can. you can ultra learn and you can speed it up or even slow it down to your liking and you can pick up the content a lot faster so yeah that so I, I agree with you man so it it it's really great like i still love old-fashioned reading a book but also the thing is like hey you still have to get with the times and also the fact is if you have an audiobook you can also reach some blind readers too if you don't have your books in braille because that's actually something else that happens to other guests on my show where her mystery novel 
was sold to a couple along with the audiobook because her husband because the person who bought the book her husband was blind but she could see so they could read the book together so that's another reason why yeah technology is so great nowadays for your books and your business it's true and unfortunately we see the demise of like we see bookstores, we see the one or two big ones that we know. And then, you know, in New York City, which I frequent, they got the great Strand, which is a very old, you know, bookstore. But we just see those small town bookstores are just gone. Yeah, it's, it's sad Terrible. to see. It's sad to see, man. I guess that's why I mentioned about libraries earlier, too. It just seems like a lot of technology has replaced the So the... Uh, the, the the building and the library itself is still strong, but there's just a lot more technology in there. They're not, I would assume, I haven't been there, but you, you know this better than I. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like libraries had to pivot as the classic buzzword from uh, the year that should not be named. Just <laughs> folks had to pivot. And the thing is, like libraries, especially public libraries, are community centers more than anything else. Mm. Because, yeah, we still have books, but we don't have those old darn cat- card catalogs collecting dust and all that paper and whatnot. So we have really more space for folks to get work done because a lot of folks, especially during the pandemic, like like public libraries, they had to really pivot. So using some of their budget to buy more Wi-Fi hotspots for customers to be able to check out and take some Wi-Fi at home because not a lot of people have high-speed internet, mm. extending the Wi-Fi to reach the parking lot to cover the whole parking lot. So if folks wanted to come out come out of the house for a bit and they needed, like, internet and Wi-Fi to use their computers, their laptops, they could do it. Heck, even offering rentable Chromebooks to check out to customers, too. Like, we actually, at least in the Baltimore County area, we bought at least a good two to 300 extra Chromebooks to add on to our original... 150 that we bought around a good three or three or so years ago and the demand is high so the thing is like yeah libraries are filled with gold through the books and the information but also it's a great community center heck even from a non-technology but technology aspect we even became a distributing place that could feel the libraries about a good let's say six or nine out of the 19 became spots where folks can pick up meals for their kids because another thing too is that in certain neighborhoods a lot of kids their meals they would get them at school and if they didn't get them at school sadly they may not be able to get them at home so being able to also take meal programs and use those as spots to deliver free basically hold some free meals for some kids to be able to pick up so the kids can eat too so yeah man yeah it's it's definitely a requirement to basically shift grow and reinvent yourself as you go along, because even though you may be known for one thing, there are these other things that can help you advance to your next level. Fascinating. I had no idea that libraries were becoming community centers. It only makes sense. You could learn, you could educate there. What is the deal with that Dewey Decimal? Is that still around? <laughs> uh, listed the uh, Baltimore County area, a couple others for nonfiction books. It does uh, for the graphic novels, the comics, fiction books, kids, uh, First chapter books, we we don't put the Dewey Decimal for that. Just the nonfiction, just the regular nonfiction like that. It's, it's not as bad as you, you might think. <laughs> I actually don't remember it. And <laughs> I remember um, also you're a big, big advocate on meditation. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, you're definitely right. I'm definitely an advocate for it because the thing is, meditation, you don't have to put on an orange robe, some prayer Mm. beads, and shave your head bald. 
Now, granted, I ain't got that much hair anyway, so it wouldn't be a problem for me if I did it, but <laughs> I still wouldn't do it. And the thing is with meditation, all you need is a good five minutes. Yeah. And that's the thing. You don't need like a whole day. You don't need an hour. You don't need a half an hour. You can get to those moments. I've had days where I've meditated for a whole half an hour, sometimes 45 minutes, just to let those thoughts flow and go. And heck, even just to be, just sit down and be. And I've decided to use my snooze button as what I call the sensational moment of silence button because it'll allow me that time to really sit up, give myself some time to sit and meditate to clear my mind because you have to really give yourself the gift of solitude before you masterfully serve the multitude. Hmm. Hmm. I have to let that soak in for a second. Yeah. You know, the, the more great people I talk to, the meditation comes up, breathing comes up, how it just increases performance, just learning how to breathe correctly. We learn that in yoga, but uh, there's just so many things that we can do, free things, by the way, that don't cost money, they just cost a little time, that can really help improve our lives and, and well-being. Oh, yeah, man. There's so many resources out there, like YouTube's your friend. It's also a black hole, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that. You can put on the rabbit hole there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, Dominique Brightman, you are you are a, a, an inspiration. You're you're a really, really pleasure to, to talk to. You're a Baltimore celebrity. I mean, what you've done and so what's, <laughs> what's coming down the road? I mean, you're going to be 30 in a couple of weeks. What, what what What's on the horizon? Man. What's on the rise? I'm going to try to claim the decade, not the year. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to claim the decade and not the year. So definitely going to be turning up some things. Definitely more books are coming out. Definitely going to get into the online course part of the world, release some online courses as well because it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And not to mention, it's another way to help more people and serve more people too because even though the pandemic even though it doesn't seemingly go in the way, we're still going to find ways to readjust in advance no matter what. And folks are still going to want to stay home a bit and get some online courses and be on the go and keep their learning mobile. So definitely going to be doing that. So definitely some more great material, great co coaching material, doing some more speaking, definitely going to be doing some more traveling as well. And then also some uh, more reinvention coming ahead too, because that's the other thing about elite performers. They always reinvent themselves yeah on their journey to not only keep themselves fresh, but to also keep other folks engaged and keep them entertained and keep them informed too. Well, keeping them edutained. <laughs> as some say. That's right. Entertained and educated. And how can we get in touch with you? Ah, yes. Beautiful. For those who want to subscribe to the going North podcast and all things Dom, head over to dombrightman.com. That's dombrightman.com on the magical website of dombrightman.com. Yeah, it's a great site. It's got a lot of resources, got all your podcasts and links to your books. And it's a great, great pleasure talking with you today. I hope one day to meet face to face and, uh, you know, uh, you know, have a coffee and uh, and talk about how we can make uh, a better place for everyone. That's right. Less butter, right? Let me stop. <laughs> that's right. That's right. What a great note to end on. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. You be well, my friend. It was great talking with you. You too, Joe. I appreciate you. Take care. Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www 
www.joeypins.com. There you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Podcast information, the video version of our podcast is on YouTube. Please subscribe. Audio is on all major podcasting platforms. Please follow them. And if you like it, please consider giving five-star rating. Would really appreciate that. Would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our Patreon site. Consider $5, 10 or $20 a month. There's all kind of plans that we have there. It's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? You be the judge. You can go to our PayPal account to do that as well. Thank you again for listening or watching Joey Pins Discipline Conversation.